Hello, ladies, we are back. Wow, we're here, still in our respective houses. Yes, um, I am filming in a new location today, and I am joined by Cat Winston, and he is being very needy today, so if you hear some extra purring or meowing in the background, it is because Winston wanted nothing more in the world than to be a part of this podcast with you today. Oh, Winston. Yeah. We love Winston. He's loving the quarantine. But on a actual related to what we're talking about note, welcome to week three of Women of the Bible. Wow. Three weeks of this. Man. It's, it's, we're, we're chugging along, though. We are still in Genesis, and our newest woman that we are going to be discussing today is the lovely Rebecca. Um, Rebecca is not someone that I really ever thought about the first time that I heard this person's name um, because I'm going to be honest I actually did not read this story or know of this story until I read it before perf- help getting ready for this podcast huh. wow. I did not realize that this was something that happened and I learned a lot I learned that um, Rebecca might be the person in the Bible that I relate the most to Wild. at this point in time um, I used to always think it was Martha whose sister was Mary but today I'm thinking it's Rebecca. Wow. So That's uh, super cool. Yeah, so I think we can t- I'm, I might include some of my own perspective then as we go through this. Love that. Relating it to life. Yeah. So, so good. If you are going to be reading along with us today, we will be flipping through the books of Genesis, um, chapters 24 through 27. Um, Rebecca's part in these chapters is large. Um, and these are long chapters, so we're probably not going to read all of it. We're most likely will do some paraphrasing for y'all. But what we're taking from our Genesis chapters 24 through 27, we'll try to reference them as we uh, move throughout the story. But we will start right now in Genesis chapter 24. Yeah. Um, okay, so context. Abraham and Sarah. Had a baby, mm-hmm. finally. Yep. In their own old age. His name is Isaac. Yes. Isaac means laughter because God made Sarah laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, so Abraham mourns the death of his wife and then continues to be even older. Yes. Because he already was old and then got older because yes. that's how science works. Yep. Um, and as he was dying... He wanted to make sure he took care of his son. Yes. And made sure he had that, a wife. Yeah. But like a wife that like could live within the context of their belief system. Exactly. Yep. So being old, Abraham decides that he cannot make this travel himself to find this woman because um, God had promised Abraham that from Abraham's people, the generations and ancestors and success and so on and so forth would happen. So um, Abraham does not want Isaac to marry a woman from the land they are currently living in. He wants Abraham. He wants Isaac to marry a woman from the land that Abraham is from. And so Abraham decides to send a servant to do that. And the servant is like, this this is a hefty task. Like, how, how do you know that I'm going to choose the right woman? And Abraham says, like, you will do this. But I will also pray to God that God will send an angel ahead of you um, to see that you find a wife for my son. And this servant 
learning from Abraham and watching Abraham be this faithful disciple to God truly has faith and, and trusts in Abraham and heads on this journey. And as we read this, um, the story, you'll see how much faith the servant actually had. And it's kind of interesting to see that this is like the beginning of Christianity kind of religion in general, in a sense, and and like in this sense and, um, how just from Abraham's actions and the way that God provided for Abraham, this servant feels just as led to have the same kind of faith that Abraham has, which is really cool. It's so cool. That's awesome. We're going to start in verse 10 of chapter 24. Uh, yeah. So here we go. Then the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharaim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time women go out to draw water. Then he prayed, Lord, God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside the spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. Maybe, may it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels, too, until they've had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing a becca and two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels. Then he asked, whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of that Milcah bore to Nahor. And she added, we have plenty of straw and fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. Then the man bowed down and worshiped the Lord, saying, praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me... The Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. Wow. So there's a lot to dissect there. Um, Even before we meet Rebecca, I think it's kind of an important character trait of who Rebecca is by talking about the prayer that the servant has. So the servant doesn't pray to God and say, God, show me a good wife for Isaac. Like, show me the woman that your angel has come to lead me to find. He... Um, asks God to to show him a good wife through Isaac for Isaac through the woman's actions, which I think says a lot about this servant's knowledge of what he thought Abraham would have wanted Isaac to have for a wife. Not a woman who is beautiful necessarily, not a woman who is strong necessarily, but a woman with a servant's heart. Yeah, and I think that says a lot about what we as women should be working to be. 
going yeah. to become so our good. our our women's with us a servant's heart who are willing to take care of others because think about this Rebecca is showing up to the well with a bunch of women because all the women go to the well probably at the same time because I that's I imagine that just like women travel in packs now to go to the bathroom women probably <laughs> traveled in packs in the past to go to the water well and so on the way there she sees a man who she has never seen before this is a stranger who has camels and the man says give me water and Rebecca could have been like you get your own water boy but instead she was like yes please let me give you water and also let me provide for your your lovely camels and camels don't drink like small amounts of water when camels are thirsty like camels because they store their water they drink Mm -hmm. a lot of water so Rebecca's probably going back and forth carrying this jug of water from the well for a A long time right what is a lot about her um and yes, the Bible indicates that Rebecca was beautiful and that she was a virgin. And those are just like, I don't really know why those verses are added in there because they're probably not details that we needed, but you look like I you have a thought. Those, those were specifically, these books were originally written for a very specific audience mm-hmm. Verses like that um, are context for them. Okay. For that specific audience. That makes sense. So, um, the dude, the servant, is like, hey, who's your daddy? Because she's he's curious, like, what kind of family do you come from? Like, are you really mm-hmm. from this area? Are you a foreigner? He's asking some questions just to make sure, like, um, am I picking the right person here? Doing his research. And when she explains... It's like she... what you do when your friends tell you they're dating a new person and you stalk them on, the, on Instagram. Yeah, you hop on Instagram and you look at all of their pictures. And then you get upset when you find out their profile is private. Oof. Anyway. Um, <laughs> he... The servant's like, oh, yeah, this is the lady... And then she peer, he offers her bracelets and then pierces her nose. So, um, I don't know about you. I'm assuming this is a custom that was happening. But I, I don't know that I'd be all gung-ho to get my nose pierced with a gold ring to marry a man that I have not met yet who's going to take me some travel to get by by a man who I just gave water to in the middle of an oasis. Yeah. It does not sound sanitary to me. <laughs> Yeah, he probably didn't, like, sterilize the the hope before he... Ow. Yeah. But (laughs) this gold is going to signify that she is going to be a part of a family that has money. And so Mm -hmm. it was a custom of the time. So from here, we're just going to kind of talk through what happens next. So Rebecca's going to run home and tell her family everything that happens. And... Then Rebecca's brother is going to run out and find the man and say, is what you said to my sister true? And he's like, yeah. He's like, oh, please come stay at our home. Come, come back with us. And then the Bible literally repeats the story verbatim of what just happened between that guy and Rebecca. And Rebecca's parents are like, oh, whoa. In verse 50. They say, the Lord has obviously brought you here, so there is nothing we can say. Here is Rebecca. Take her and go. Yes, let her be the wife of your master's son as the Lord has directed. So these are people who might have heard of Abraham's God and might have heard of what was happening to Abraham, but might, um, but have not been living in the same area as Abraham for a long, 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 long time. 
And so these people are legitimately shocked by the faith and the miracle in a sense that has happened here where this man prayed for these events to happen. These events happened and they're like, oh man, this is like, this is a real, this is a real deal. We got to let Rebecca go. And so uh, we're going to pick up at verse 51 after they have just said, take our, sorry, verse 52. We're like, take our Rebecca. Mm -hmm. She is yours. When Abraham's servant heard what they said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. Then the servant brought out gold and silver jewelry and articles of clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave costly gifts to her brother and her mother. Then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up the next morning, he said, send me on my way to my master. But her brother and mother replied, let the young woman remain with us 10 days or so, then you may go. But he said to them, do not detain me now that the Lord has granted success to my journey. Send me on my way so I may go to my master. Then they said, let's call the young woman and ask her about it. So they called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with this man? I will go, she said. So they sent their sister Rebecca on her way, along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the cities of their enemies. Then Rebecca and her attendants got ready and mounted the camels and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebecca and left. Now Isaac had come from Bir Lahai Roy, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate, and he, as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servants, Who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebecca. So she became his wife, and he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Awesome. So some things to consider there. First of all, when they wake up in the morning after they have had this happy feast with each other, um, the, mass, the servant says, please, let me bring Rebecca home today. And the family's like, wait, what? No, give us some time. Let Rebecca say goodbye to her friends. Let Rebecca spend a little bit more time with her family before you're taking her away forever. Also, context, Rebecca's probably not old. No. I mean, my ver that my Bible said that she, along with her nurse, yeah. so went. She's, yeah, so not very old at all. Um, and she's literally just been bought and paid for and, in a sense, is kidnapped, like agreed kidnap from her family. Because, yeah, like willingly removed. Yeah. And so <laughs> anyway, they get on the uh, their camels and they head back. And when they get back, she's like looking off in the distance and she sees this guy and she's like, whoa, that guy is hot. Who is that boy? And <laughs> the ser and the servant's like, oh, that's Isaac. Like, that's the dude you're going to marry. And she's like, yes. And she's very excited. And so success yes and so this chapter ends with um the two of them being very happy with each other where it goes from you being like oh no rebecca's been taken from her family to being like oh well they made each other happy so that's okay this was such a romantic comedy yeah moment it, it is indeed where isaac looked up from the field and saw the camels and then rebecca looked up too and then their eyes met in the distance and yeah. then they 
Like, what? I picture the scene, I picture the scene from Shrek, where they're, like, coming over the hill, and, Uh and, um, the princess, and, like, Fiona's like, what's that? And Shrek's like, well, that's your new home, like, that's the castle, and then... That there's other parts of Shrek that it doesn't match the story, but like that's that's the the meeting that I think of. It's like yeah. this princess and this prince are like meeting for the first time, and it's just like oh, oh. it's love. <laughs> so funny. Um, I don't think I ever like remember reading it that way before. <laughs> but that's what it sounds like to me. Definitely sounds like a, like a Nicholas Sparks movie. Yeah. So then we continue um, yeah. in Genesis, and we start Genesis twenty five. Um, the chapter this book is called Abraham dies, but I want to note that before Abraham dies, um, he gets busy again. He remarries and mm-hmm. has six more children, and mm-hmm. then dies. So, yes. okay, Abraham. All right. So. When he dies, though he has now six new six new sons and a bunch of other descendants, um, he gives everything he owns to Isaac. So Isaac is by far the favorite child. I cannot imagine being another child of Abraham and being like, oh, of course Isaac got the house. Like when they're reading the will. And it's like, oh, of course Isaac got the rock out front. And I just, I, I cannot even imagine. Yeah, so, wow. So Abraham... Um, age-wise dies at 175 years old. So old. And after um, Abraham dies, when he is buried, um, his other son, his first son, the son with Hagar, Ishmael, comes back for the funeral. So it's like an actual like family celebration. Um, and though the events themselves at the funeral are not bad... Um, they do the the two groups of the family that have kind of been separated for so long live in open hostility for a while, and that will play a role in the future of the church, but not right. Yeah. Okay, but not in the context right now. I just want to make sure I was right on that. Okay. So now Isaac and Rebecca get a little busy, and they do. let's do we want to read. Um, okay, you know, the Bible says the Lord told people to be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. And, man, they were following that commandment. They were doing what God provi- what God asked of them. Yes, indeed. They are married. Am I so. starting? Um, uh, verse 19. 19? Yeah. Great. This is the account of the family line of Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel the Aramean from Padan. Aram and sister of Laban the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife Rebecca became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her and she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two people from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebecca gave birth to them. Okay, let's talk about this section before we move on to the next story. Um, so... I am convinced that it was not Rebecca that could not have kids, 
because Abraham and Sarah also could not have kids. And I question if it's part of that bloodline, not Rebecca's bloodline. But, of course, it makes sense to blame the woman because that's the time period. And so Isaac does what exactly what his father did, which was pray for the ability to have kids. And God does not make them wait long. God gives them, um, gives, get, uh, Rebecca gets pregnant. And not only is she pregnant, she's now pregnant with twins. And think about, this is like the time before ultrasounds. So she is like feeling this turmoil in her stomach. And I can imagine she's probably freaking out like, God, what is going on in here? Like, am I going to birth an alien? And, um, God is like, no, girl, chill out. You just gotta have some twins. And, um, and those twins are not going to get along, is the foreshadowing that we get. The important part of the story is the older son will serve over your younger son because the birthright and the order of birth will play a role in the rest of the story. Yes, indeed. And I guess we can keep reading. So we're in chapter 25, verse 27. The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I am about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. So this is a very interesting story. Um, I know we're kind of off the Rebecca train here, but this, this is a key part to the end of her story. Um, and so I just, I just found it interesting. So I'm thinking about my sister and my relationship with her and how our parents claim they don't have favorites, but it's been quite obvious through all of our lives that our parents have favorites. Um, (laughs) and here in the story, um, Rebecca and Isaac have a different favorite child. And so I can imagine that probably caused some kind of turmoil within the family because there's some favoritism that's probably showed. Like Isaac probably took um, Esau out to hunt with him, whereas mm-hmm. Jacob is going to learn how to cook in the kitchen with mom. And, you know, there's there's a different kind of relationship that's formed with each parent because of that. And, well, and that probably created some pretty intense rivalry between the brothers. Oh, definitely. And there was probably some, oh, like, mama's boy, I get to stay home and not, ugh, yeah, like, yeah. not a man who's going to go out into the fields and, ugh, siblings. Definitely. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I think this theory is funny. Because Esau is so hungry that he is, like, literally willing to give everything up for a cup of stew and piece of bread. Now, I love bread, but I don't know that I love bread that much. He's like, dude, I don't even care about being the oldest anymore. Like, you can have everything that comes with being the oldest sibling. Just take it. I just want soup and bread. Yeah. I've got to imagine he was—he had to be so hungry. Like, I just like how hungry do you have to be? As the oldest, I have a very hard time with that. Yeah. 
I don't I, I don't know what he was thinking. I'm like, nah, I took so much pride in having paved the way. Like, no. <laughs> oh my word. So anyway, Jacob now has the birthright. Yes. So though he is not the oldest son, he has all of the benefits of being the oldest son. And that's going to play a role coming into the story. So we're going to kind of browse through chapter 26 because there's not a lot of important events that happen here. Um, In the beginning of the chapter, Isaac and Rebecca pull an Abraham and Sarah where they go to a new town. And Isaac's like, I don't want them to, like, take you away from me and, like, try to kill you because you're my wife. So let's tell everybody you're my sister. And just like Abraham and Sarah, they get caught in their lie and they're called out for it and they're told and they're kicked out. They're like, get out of here. Go away. Don't come back. And um, they are there's some conflict that comes with that. And they're left kind of in this area to tend on their own. However, God does provide for them and they are extremely successful and fruitful. Mm. Anything else from chapter 26 that you think we have to mention? No. Okay. So then into chapter 27, we have really quickly moved through Isaac's life because now he is an old man and is blind. Very important to note, he is turned blind in his oldness. Yep. That's an important detail. Um, do you want me to start at 34? Uh, sure. Okay. Uh, when Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of Barry the Hittite, and also Basemith, daughter of Elon the Hittite. They were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse upon myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food, just the way his father liked it. Then Rebecca took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goatskins. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. 
Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat, so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and and he brought some wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be the Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, my father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me too, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you, and have made all his relatives and his servants, made all his relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near, and then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, Your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back here from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of the land, from Hittite women like these, my wife will, my life will not be worth living. All right. Thank you for reading all of that. Ooh. All right. So let's tear it apart. So we want to focus on the Rebecca part of this story. So she overhears a conversation. So I am picturing that Rebecca is the helicopter mom that wants to do everything for her child and make sure that her child is successful, specifically the child she likes best, a.k.a. Jacob. Yes. And yes. so 
Um, she knows her husband is dying. She's aware. He's going blind. He probably can't really leave his bed. And she, he, she sees that he calls Esau into the room. And she probably goes into, like, the outside of the door of the room and, like, sticks her ear to, like, kind of, like, overhear the conversation. And hears that Isaac is going to bless him because he's the oldest son. And so Rebecca's like, oh, psh, no, we got to get Jacob in there first. So she hatches this plan to have Jacob pretend to be Esau and deceive the father. Kind of makes me think of Goldilocks and, not Goldilocks, um, Little Red Riding Hood and Grandma. Where he's <laughs> like, oh, how hairy your hand has gotten, Esau, yeah. or, or whatever. And um, in the end, Jacob gets the blessing. And then Esau is furious when he figures this out and in a sense, claims, I'm going to kill Jacob, like, legitimately kill Jacob. And so when Rebecca hears that plan, she's got to have, like, ears everywhere. She um, is like, Jacob, go. Get out of here. Leave. Don't come back. Um, and then Jacob is going to flee to where her brother is and potentially live a, a better, happier life there. Some things to note from the story is at the very beginning, Caitlin read the first verse of the last chapter to tell us who Esau marries. So Esau's going to marry um, a pagan woman. And this is almost like a kick in the face of the family, which is like, Psh, yeah, I don't really care what you believe in. I'm going to marry a pagan woman, and it's going to be fine. And the woman of this, these wives, because he marries more than one, in a sense make life miserable for Rebecca and Isaac, and I imagine it's because it's, like, legitimately living with sinners who are unwilling to change. And, because, like, yeah, we are all sinners, but it's, like, people who sin without any belief in God or follow any of the customs or traditions, and it probably makes it really hard for them. And so I can imagine Rebecca being, like, we, we gotta get rid of these people, whatever we gotta do. And so she probably recognized, like, this was not what God had wanted for them and was like, I'm going to take God's plans and I'm going to take it from his hands and put it in my hands and I'm going to solve all the problems. She said, give me the steering wheel. Yes. I will drive. Yes. And I think that this is what makes Rebecca so relatable to us today and specifically me because I cannot tell you how many times in my life I've been like, this problem is so small for God. I can drive through this myself. I don't need to hand this off. Like, mm. psh, God, you just sit in the passenger seat and be a dry and be like a backseat driver for me. And I will mm. actually steer the car and we'll be good to go. Wow. But that is not the way that I am supposed to be living my life. Mm. Um, I listened to the online church that I went to on Sunday made a really good point about what COVID-19 is kind of doing to the world. And um, the pastor had said that a lot of us are struggling right now because we feel like we are losing control of anything we've had control of. Mm -hmm. And he said, but the actual fact of it is, is that we never had control and we're just realizing that now. Yeah. And I was like, like he speaks like that was like so that was so truth for me because I right now I'm struggling the most in the sense that I feel like I've lost control of mm -hmm. of everything like I have no control of things getting canceled or dates being pushed back and really grasping at air and I and I'm like god like why why did you do this why is this happening and 
I don't think God caused COVID-19. I don't think this was, this was what God wanted. I don't think God wants people to die. Um, but I, I think that from this, there's a lesson that each of us are being taught. And, and for me, my lesson is I am not in control and that is okay because Mm. I need to give the steering wheel to God. That's so good. Wow. And I think Rebecca's story really echoes that. Yeah, a hundred percent. I totally agree with you on that. Because even Rebecca, from yeah, even from Go. here, Jacob, Jacob is sent away, and Jacob will never see his mom again. Like Rebecca's mistake causes mis- Rebecca forcing this plan to happen the way that it happened, like leads her to have to send him away, and as my like my bible says that like part of the cost of him deceiving his father was the fact that he would never see his mother again and so rebecca will never see her favorite son again and i just have to hope that he's taken care of after the situation that's wild yeah this feels like a scene from a movie like it this feels like something that would make cinematic money yeah which is i feel that way about a lot of the old testament actually yeah, which is really interesting about this story yeah it's it's so interesting to think about rebecca mm-hmm. in comparison to sarah yeah and how they both tried to take control of their specific situations right because they were like, oh, well, like, God said this, but, like, maybe he meant it this way. Right. And so then I'll just, like, help it along over here by doing my bit. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, they, like, took a hard left and, like, yanked the steering wheel their direction. Right. And, like, they both did that. hmm But we see Sarah's story get redeemed. Mm-hmm. And, like, we see Rebecca's story get redeemed. Right. Like, yes, she has the consequences of not ever being able to see Jacob again, but Jacob becomes the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Yeah. Jacob's role goes from making stew for a brother to, like, extremely important in a matter of a chapter. Like, the Old Testament doesn't say... Our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Mm-hmm. It says, our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right. Like, the God of our fathers. Yeah. He becomes so, like, incredibly pivotal. Mm-hmm. He also has some, like, wild experiences with the Lord, but yeah. that's a whole other situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So if you're taking taking anything from Rebecca's story, it's the idea that it is okay to feel like you are not in control. Because you aren't. And if you feel like God has a plan for you, you don't need to expedite the shipping on that plan. Yeah. God's timing... And, I, and let's be honest, we're all going to still do it. Like, we we are all probably going to mess up in some way. And we might 
still try to expedite God's plans. Um, I mean, I know for most of my life, I tried to do that with boys. I was like, mm-hmm. dude, I know I'm meant to be a mom. Like, I know I'm meant to be married and I'm in be a wife and I know I'm meant to be a mom. And I was like, well, obviously this is the first boy who's ever showed that he likes me. That's my husband, right? That's how this works. Correct, God? And, um, any boy. God said, shut it down. Yeah, shut it down. <laughs> Give me the wheel back, Curcio. And, um... I just, I think that often, I think that we have this, we have to like almost sit back and like look at our lives and be like, okay. And even just talk to God, like, hey God, what is your plan for me? Like, what, what are your hopes for me? And what can I do to help get you there? Like. And also like, you're allowed to not have clarity the first time you pray about it. Yeah. I feel like that's a misconception. Mm -hmm. A lot of times is that people think that like oh i'll pray to god and then i'll know exactly what's going like that's not really what happens or how it works at all not at all and he also just straight up might not have an answer for a while yeah like he might be telling you to wait Mm -hmm. and that sucks yes especially for us impatient people in the world yes yes um but like he might he might tell you hey like caitlin wait instead mm-hmm. of yes or no mm-hmm. which is super frustrating but like that just encourages you to press into him more like that's yeah. an encouragement for you to be like okay i have to wait i don't have control over how long this situation is going to last i don't have control over my timeline mm-hmm. or my time frame but what i do have control over is my relationship with the lord and so i'm going to press in and i'm going to grow deeper with him it's like that scene from frozen 2 where (laughs) olaf is like we're controlling what we whatever the line is there it's like we call this controlling what you have control like it's it's, it's dumb yeah but like that's like this is controlling what you have the power to control Mm -hmm. and that is your relationship with the lord yep and uh i think that's really good what you just said like I will be completely honest with you guys. I have never heard God talk. Like, I have never, like, prayed and God has, like, given me an answer. Or God has, like, given me a dream. And I was like, ooh, let me Daniel interpret my dream to, like, know what God is trying to tell me right now. That's just not That's just not my relationship with God. Um, that's just not the way we've connected. And I will tell you, though, I've had prayers and those prayers have been answered. And I, I do not always see it in the moment, um, and it, and it comes to me later on. But I realize, oh wow, that was that was an answer to a prayer, and mm-hmm. oh that was God protecting me or protecting my heart and things yeah. like that. And so I, I even challenge you to like, before you pray to God, to give Him back control, or to like ask what maybe His plan is. Think over your life and think about okay where has God showed up for me before what does that look like so how can I or what should I expect from God or how how do I think God might answer this prayer like what might what should I be looking for yeah like how do you better recognize the way he's communicating with you because there are people who have like claimed they've heard the voice of God and like great on them or they have moments where like they feel like time freezes and and things like that and not all of us get those moments and that's not because 
God picking is not picking us for those moments for like a specific reason. It's just not the way we've connected with him. And I'm going to be honest with you. If I had a moment like that with God, I don't know if I would think it was real. I don't know if I'd be like this. Am I hallucinating or if I, or if it would like be a legit thing. And so that could be why I've never had that with God and why most Mm -hmm. of my conversations with God have literally been someone else saying something that God probably let them to say to me. That's good. Yeah. So maybe that's what you, maybe that's what it is for you too. Maybe it's community. And if that's the case, know that we are here. We can FaceTime you. I can't FaceTime at six o'clock when you guys keep having youth group, unfortunately, because that seems to be what my family keeps picking to FaceTime. Um, But (laughs) I would love to FaceTime and talk or just do something with you guys. If you need to just like talk something out. And if you're like, oh my gosh, Nicole, or oh my gosh, Caitlin, like, I feel like I have no control over what's going on right now. They literally just took away my prom. They took away my graduation. They took away my, my everything, my last semester of my senior year, the year that you, that I've been told for so long is going to be the best year of my life. And I just don't know what to do. And you are potentially very angry at God. Like you could be feeling anger right now over sadness or maybe even both and you just don't know what to do with it and I I encourage you to reach out to someone to us to anyone and talk about it pray about it because all of us are experiencing loss right now and it's not healthy for us to bundle the loss up if you suppress what society commonly looks at as negative emotions that will lead to the suppression of positive emotions also you need to make sure that you're giving yourself space to feel what you are feeling healthily because jesus also had emotions there's a verse in the bible that says jesus wept and it is good and in fact holy almost Mm -hmm. to grieve yeah so make sure that you guys are giving yourself space to that. And, like, Nicole and I want to be here for y'all as you're going through all that. So we have the group me. Like, reach out there. A lot of y'all have our phone numbers. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't have our phone numbers, somebody has our phone number. My cousins are in this. Like, they know how to contact me. <laughs> um, we want to be able to be here for you guys. So. And if you talking to us is not the step that you need to take, just know that we are thinking about you and we are praying for you. And we love you very much. Yes. And God loves you even more. Yes. Until next week. Bye, you guys. Bye.